we, we reap what we sow. As the story goes about a man that was walking down the street, and he walked beside a man that had a parrot on his shoulder. And the parrot and the man were just talking back and forth, and it fascinated this man so until he spoke to the man and says, uh, would you sell me that parrot? He said, no, the parrot's not for sale. He said, I'll give you $500 for it. I said, no. He said, well, how about $1,000? He's sold. So the man bought the parrot, put him on his shoulder right there, and he walked home. He got home, and he set him up on a, a deal he had there uh, for to hang his coat on. And uh, about the time he set him up there, the doorbell rang. And so he leaves the parrot and goes open to the door. And the man and the lady comes in, invites them in, and they try to talk. And the parrot just lit out with a, 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 just a, a spread of curse words. I mean, just, just really, really throwing it out there and embarrassed the man and embarrassed the man. They come to visit the lady. And the man turned around and said, shut up. And he just cursed some more. About the second or third time he did that, the man just had all he could handle, and he just reached in, grabbed him, and opened the freezer door, was close by, and threw him in there and shut the door. Well, he heard the noise flopping around and carrying on in there, and a few minutes ago, got just dead still. And the man got to feeling sorry for the parrot and wondered if he had suffocated or what was wrong, so he went and opened the freezer, laid it up, and the old parrot was standing there just, just shivering and shaking and, and, and looks up at him and, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I won't do it no more. So he reached in and got him and, and took him and sent him a perch and started to walk away. And the parrot said, wait a minute. So I got one question. He said, what's that? What did the chicken do in the freezer? <laughs> now, life Actions in life brings reactions. And that's kind of where I want to go with my speech to you this morning. We do some things sometimes that bring some reactions that's not really good, but we'll get there in a few moments. So I want to talk to you about sowing and reaping. And uh, uh, my thoughts coming out of Galatians, we'll get there. But uh, when God created the universe, he established laws to govern it. There were... These laws govern everything from atoms to attitudes. I know about attitudes, not much about atoms. A law is a rule or principle which brings about a certain result when obeyed or disobeyed. Remember the parrot? A law is fixed. They are fixed and they're absolute. Laws give our world order, design, and balance. The natural world operates by the laws of God, and so do the spiritual laws operate by the laws of God. Our nation is a nation of laws which secure our safety and protect us and protect our prosperity and some of the laws we definitely don't like. How many likes not been able to drive down the freeway? over 70 mile an hour. Uh, we all are that way. We'd be real about it. We bear seldom ever keep those laws. The Bible is referred to as the law of God. The psalmist says in 1 and 2, but he delights in the law of the Lord, and on 
his law, he meditates day and night. I want you to catch something there. He said he delights in the law of the Lord. Uh, I see sometimes that we don't study as much as maybe we should, and I'm guilty as anybody, I don't get there, but if we really delighted in the laws of God, we would fix a time that we could focus on God's Word and push everything to the side. But we live in a society today that people uh, try to fit God into our schedule that we have, and, and so sometimes it doesn't work. But the psalmist tells us here that, that he said he delights in the law of the Lord, and on his laws he meditates day and night. Wow, that's powerful. See, because... Understanding laws in God's Word is not all about reading. It's possible to read something. As my dad used to say, and of course, I don't know how you would explain it any better. Uh, it's a little, little off the cuff a little bit. He said, I let some things go in one ear and fall out on the ground out of the other ear just as soon as it goes in. In other words, I don't pay any attention to what's being said. But there are things that we need to hear and keep and the law of God, we should, when we, we should love it and we should study it and, and we should keep what it says and meditate on it day and night. You see, I've found that there's some things that I've read in the book and, and, and it just didn't soak in. I just couldn't get it together. But as I meditated on it, as I thought about it, and go back and read some more, then it would come to light and I could, I could understand it. We need to meditate on God's laws. One of the most important spiritual laws is the law of sowing and reaping. Anybody ever heard that, sowing and reaping? Galatians says, chapter 6 and 7 through 9, I'm going to read it for you. So do not be deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Let us not grow up, 9 says, not, let, us not, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I read that from a New King James. In case you have a different Bible, it says it just a little different. So all of those things are sure, and they'll transpire as time goes on. Uh, uh, we'll reap what we sow. Number one, we reap what we sow. That's why there's a lot of people in jail, because they didn't pay any attention to the laws of land, and they got caught. And for their action, there was a reaction. This seemed to be simple enough, but let's consider the implications of this truth. The basic law of physics states that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. If I took a ball and I threw it against the wall and went straight in the wall as hard as I could, it would bounce back as hard as I threw it into the wall. That's just something God set up. It's, it's going to happen that way. I don't understand it all, but I know that's why, how it works. An equal 
an object reaction. That's what happened to the parrot. He didn't hit, obey, and so he got through in the freezer. And when he got in the freezer, he got a different attitude. He got an attitude change. There's a lot of God's people in the world that we, we claim to know God, we claim to, that we're saved and we come to church, but we need an attitude change. I, I've seen people, and I know you have too, that come to church, and, and you wish they would go back home and turn around and come back with a new attitude. Because when we come to church and we claim to be Christian, we need to reflect Christ in our life, not the old person. Now, since we are human and we're not perfect, everybody's subject to do something like that occasionally. But we need, nevertheless, we need to reflect who we serve. And, and if we're not careful and we don't watch your attitude, we'll reflect the object of what we're trying to reflect. We get out of life what we put into it. And this doesn't mean we directly cause every event in our life. You see, Jesus, for example... Well, uh, uh, he was about to heal the blind man. And the disciples asked him, says, who sinned? Was it his parents or was it him? And Jesus says, neither. Now that blows some people's mind because a lot of people think every time something goes wrong in somebody's life, man, you blew it, that's what happened to you. I've heard people say things like, well, you better get it together or your children's going to pay for it. Wrong. All little children, if they die today, while they're little children at, below the age of accountability, is going to go straight to heaven without any detours. Whether you live like the devil or whether you don't. But when we reach the age of accountability, we will answer to the Lord for how we lived and how we reflected him in our life around other people. However, all suffering is the indirect result of Adam's sin. So sin is in the background, and guess what? Sin is operated by the old devil, your arch enemy. He may side up beside you and make out like he's your best friend and offer you all the beauties of the world around you, money, fine car, even chauffeurs. May let you tell you you can eat in the finest restaurants. Make you think that he's the best thing that ever happened to you. But the end result is he come to destroy and to kill all he can. And that means you and me if we'll side up with him. We need to know who we are and who's our friend. And I want to tell you today, Jesus is your friend. He's the one that died on the cross for you and I. He's the one that was resurrected to be the supreme sacrifice for you and I. And today he sits on the right-hand side of the Father in expression of all power because all power is given to him, making intercession for you and I. So Jesus said, neither sinned because he was blind, but sin does come through somebody's sin. We inherited from Adam when Adam disobeyed God. And so everybody, because the bloodline comes through the Father. It's amazing to me, I've done some studying here lately, and, and I, uh, you know, sometimes you think you're smart, and you realize uh, after a little bit of reading and studying, you're not as smart as you thought you were. That's kind of where I was here a while back. 
Uh, I thought I was smarter than I was, but I found out that, that all you mothers in the church today, the bloodline of your children don't come through you at all. It comes through the Father. And so that's the reason why the whole world lives in sin. Whether you good, the bad, or the ugly, without salvation, you're going to wind up in hell with all the bad guys. We need Jesus in our lives. Nicodemus came to him and said, but how can a man be born again when he's young? And Jesus said to him, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So you have to be born again spiritually. You have to give your life to God and say, Lord, uh, forgive me for that which I've inherited. Forgive me that what I've done. And, but, Lord, accept me as your child, and I'll do my best to follow you the best of my ability. Then you're saved. We inherited it. Now, this illustrates the laws of sowing and reaping. You see, uh, uh, when I've, I've got a, a daughter that married a young man that's a farmer out here, a granddaughter, rather, and uh, uh, he could tell you real quick all that goes into if you plant a crop to, you know, to get a crop to, to harvest off of it. Uh, there's some plowing, there's some planting, some plowing, and first you've got to prepare the ground and all that. But you don't get a crop just as soon as you plant. There's some planting and some watering and some waiting on it to spring up and for it to grow. And so don't get tired in doing good because God's time is always right. That whole thing about Adam and Eve and that, that, that should teach us and illustrate the, uh, the law of sowing and reaping. If you plant, you will reap. It may take a long time or a short time, term, but you're going to plant what you reap. B, in many years of life, we must be up to the fact that we get out of life what we put into it. Every action produces an opposite reaction. If we sow, we reap. If we give money, we receive a blessing. That is, if you give it to the church, you could give it someplace else, and you might think you're getting a blessing, but it may not be as big a blessing you think. But if you give money to your church or whatever church or to God's work, you're going to receive a blessing because you can't outgive God. If you invest money and you invest it wisely, you're going to accumulate savings. If you borrow money, you're going to cure debt. If you venture nothing, you're going to gain nothing. Those laws are sure, and they act, they act and react just as sure as they're there. We reap the same kind that we sow. Matthew 7 and 15, 17 says, Jesus said, by their fruits you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit. Tree bears bad fruit. See, just because you come to church and hang out with a church guy doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be a good guy or a good lady. You have to act right and do right. And the only way I've found to act right and do right is to be in the Lord Jesus Christ because I've not been able to act right or do right on my own since I've been born. 
I think my mama would agree with you here because uh, uh, she got upset with me a few times, to say the least. Some of us just have a hard time sometimes doing what we'd like to do or what we know to do. It takes Jesus to help us. A good tree bears good fruit. But then what's that got to do with me? Well, God looks at us, or he explained us in one place in the Bible or two, uh, uh, referred to us like trees. He talks about that uh, several ways, but we'll go on from there. There are two types of harvest. One of them is of the flesh and one of them is of the spirit. Remember, we reap the same kind that we sow. Job 4 and 8 says, Even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and plow trouble, he said, reap the same. How many of you ever known that when they got out there and they began to do wrong things, they reaped the wrong things? Proverbs says, he who sows wickedness reaps trouble. So if we live the flesh, we're going to reap the things the flesh. I remember as a young man, I hung out in the wrong places and and I got into some things I didn't want to get into. And a matter of fact, uh, I kind of got my nose mashed a couple of times because I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, doing the wrong thing. None of you have ever done that. Now, I understand you've all been saints since you were born. But see, we reap what we sow. Uh, I might add to that, since I've been going to church, nobody has ever come up and whipped me since I've been in church. They've threatened me a few times, you understand, but they haven't done it yet. God's good. Galatians tells us, talking about the Spirit, says, so the desires of the Holy Ghost in your life, uh, uh, so the desires of the Holy Ghost. What I'm saying is, do what the Holy Ghost wants you to do in your life. Try to follow what the Holy Ghost sent in your life if you're spiritual and if you're calling yourself a Christian, if you claim to be saved. And, he, and Galatians tells us this. In 5 and 6, so... I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify. That word gratify, the desires of the sinful nature. Uh, you will not satisfy what the fleshly person wants to do. See, because I found out, and the Scripture bears it out, that when you're trying to live and follow the Holy Ghost, that there's conflict between what the flesh wants to do and what the Spirit wants to do. They're different. They go in different directions. But if we'll do this, if we'll, if we'll follow what the, Spirit, what the Spirit tells us in Galatians 5 and 16, and, and we'll uh, uh, not gratify the, the sinful nature to give it the opportunity to do what it wants to, then the Scripture of 5 and 22 and 23 of Galatians comes into play, and this is what it says. But when the Holy Spirit controls your life, He will produce this kind of fruit in you. Love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There's a lot of different because when I was in the world doing what the flesh wanted to do, I was out of control, doing all the things that should have been controlled. And thirdly, thinking of the laws of sowing and reaping, we reap in proportion what we sow. If you've ever planted any kind of seed, you understand it takes time 
It may not happen tomorrow. You may get in somebody's face today, and they get in your face right back. But whatever, it may be a week or a month or a year uh, before we come back. I remember my dad, and when I read and think about things like this, I always go back to that because my dad and mom were totally two objects. My mom would get mad and frail you with a, a, a switch in a country minute. I mean, she would tear you up. But my dad, when he, when he was going to whip you, he'd say, son, come here. Remember I told you don't do that? Yes, Dad. He said, well, I owe you, and I'll pay you when I got time. I ain't got time now. But you know I always keep my word, and I pay my debts. And it may be a week or two weeks, and you think he forgot about it. But then he'll say, son, remember the other day I told you I owe you, and I'll pay you? Go get me the strap and come here now. I'm going to take care of it now. That's the way my dad was. Sometimes we do things that God, we think God forgot all about. And we're going to get away with it for a while. And it goes on, but the time comes right. Uh, God takes care of business. Sometimes good things come our way, and we think we ought to have it right now. I prayed to God and asked God to answer my prayer, and it seemed like it fell on deaf ears. And I'd pray again and pray again and pray again until I got disgusted of praying, until I said, well, Lord, I guess I'm praying a wrong prayer. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't understand why you won't answer me, but I accept it. And just a little while, God would remind me, and I'd see the answer to my prayer. See, because God won't give us something more than we can handle. If you've got an attitude that's in your way, and if God, just think about this. How many of you have been, let me rephrase that before I get started. How many here have not had all the money you think you'd like to have in your life? You can go ahead and be honest about it. I'm that way. When you're in the flesh, when you're really not serving God, that's the big thing we think about. Boy, I'd like to be rich. I've said it lots of times. I'd like to see what it's like to live like a rich person. But when I got saved, I realized that that was some foolish prayers. But, but, you know, many of us never get further than where we are because God sees past where we are because we really spoke the truth. And, and if we really got a, a, a windfall of money, it would be more than we could handle. And we would leave God for a season and go out and enjoy this money and do those things. So don't pray for money unless you can handle it because God's not going to give it to you. He loves you that much. It's not that he's mad at you, but he loves you so much, he's not going to give you more than you can handle. So we reap in portion of what we sow. Give, the Bible teaches us something. says, giving God stresses this through and through in the strip, Scriptures, and it's, this is what it stresses, give generously. Give generously. I'm going to try to hurry. I'm running out of time here. Listen to the old prophet malachi now somebody say well right away say well well that's back in the old book don't be too quick to write it off ever since the time of your forefathers the scripture says you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them that hit a lot of today wouldn't it return to me he says and i'll return to you says the lord now listen to he goes a little farther, he said, but they asked him, he said, but how are we to return? How are we to return to him? Because when you first begin to read this, you think, well, Israel, my goodness, 
they God's chosen people and they turn from the Lord and all this stuff. But it's talking to you and me too. It's talking to you and me. Verse 8 says, will a man rob God? They asked him, says, how are, we, how are we to return? And he says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, he says. And they asked again, said, but how do we rob you? And he answers twofold. He said, in tithes and in offerings. Well, let's think about that just for a moment. Now, in tithes, God gives us, he gives us uh, the money that we have. And it's all God's anyway. He owns everything. He owns uh, the hills, uh, the world, and everything in it. And that includes you and I and our money. And so <laughs> it's kind of neat the way he puts it. How do we rob you? He says, in tithes and offerings. The tithe is, God gives me a dollar. And he says, I'm going to give you the dollar, but I want you to give me back 10 cents of, of my money. Give me back 10 cents of my money. That's all he's asking, 10 cents. And to make it real simple, do you think you could do more than God can? Do you think you can take a dollar of your money and do more than God can in 90 cents of that dollar? That, that's, the, that's the difference there. God said, just give me back 10 cents, and I'm going to take, and I'm going to make that 90 cents go as far or further than you could with the dollar. And, and the, whole, the whole thing bounces around that. And, and so he begins to tell them, says, that's how you rob me. You're not giving me back the 10 cents that I'm asking you to give back on the $10 or on the dollar that I give you. Uh, you say, well, I work for it. But you've got to understand, God gives you breath. He gives you health. He gives you a life. He gives you the ability to get the job. He gives you favor with the people that hired. They could have hired a hundred other people or a thousand other people rather than you and I, but he gave us favor that we got the job. So, so God's in the mix of it all that what we got. And all he's asking us to give back is 10 cents. Now, that's not a lot of a dollar, just 10 cents. Most of you, and I'm not even God by long means, but if I walked by you and you only had a dollar and I said, hey, I really need a dime, I don't think anybody in here would withhold a dime from Brother Ben, no more than you know me. Even some of you knew him because you got a good heart. But the devil comes in, he says, oh, here's where he says, he said, oh, but, but you need every bit of it because you got more bills than you can pay already. And so in our mind, he builds this big thing that, that we look at and, and we just can't see we can get by. See, it's a trust it's this whole thing of serving God is a trust program. And so all of a sudden we lose all our trust. And what's so funny to me about it, and I've, I've been there where some of you are. Uh, I was there the same way. But when I got to see it, what's so funny about it, I expected God to be able to take me to heaven. But I didn't expect God was able to, to make up 90 cents more than the dollar I had in my pocket already. Now, a God that can't stretch 90 cents to, a, to 100 cents is pretty weak in my face in what I'm saying. And so our God, he says, all I want you to do is give me back 10 cents on the dollar. So, so he said, you rob me because that you don't give me the 10%. And then he goes, he makes it second phase. He says, and in offerings. Now the offering comes out of the 90% that he lets us keep. That, that's mine to do what I want to with it. But God says, I want you to give offerings too. 
And I read in the book, and there's heave offerings and there's love offerings, and it all comes out of love for God or for somebody. And so when you reach into what you got left after you've already given God what God said give him, uh, uh, that brings on a special blessing in God. You can't outgive God. And God's just trying to say that to us. If you give, I'll show you what I can do. And so uh, uh, when he said that, verse 9, catch this. And a lot of you in this building here have been struggling and haven't been able to get past where you are. You feel like you're in a dead-end uh, job, and you feel like you're never going to be able to get that house or that car and so on and so forth. I, I know what some is going through some of your mind, but, and I'm not trying to do this just to persuade you. I'm giving you what God, whether you ever give me anything or not, it's not me. It's not about me. I got my little salary one way or another, and the church takes care of me. But I want you to hear what God says to you as an individual. We have to believe this, or why I believe John 3, 16. You can't tear out a page you don't like. But babies sometimes have a hard time uh, understanding uh, uh, what grown-ups do. And so, but Paul said, when I was a child, I act like a child. When I became a man, I act like a man. So if we've grown up in the Lord, we need to hear what he's saying because this is another uh, a part of our walk we need to get to. And he said, in verse 9, after saying how you robbed me and tithes and all, he said, you are under curse. And he's not talking to the world. He's talking to his people. He said, if you don't give me tithe and offerings, you put yourself under a curse. God didn't put you there. The pastor didn't put you there. Nobody else put you there. But if you want to be blessed, you have to obey all the laws of God because, see, the laws of God, God set them up, and they act with reaction to how do you act. And so even you doing everything else right like you're supposed to, and you don't give tithe and offerings to God's work, Wherever you go, of course, the Bible tells us we ought to bring it to the storehouse. The storehouse in today's language uh, uh, replaced the old temple, and it's the church where you come to get fed. Uh, uh, if you don't give your tithes, especially your tithes, and some of your offerings there, then he says in verse 9, he said, you're under a curse. No wonder that you can't get any further than you've gotten so far because you put yourself under a curse. Now, there's been people who serve God for a while and get mad and walk off and leave because, well, they don't treat me right there. The pastor, he, he, I don't like the way he talks and stuff like that. It's not the pastor. It's not the person sitting by you. It's not the church you go to. It's an attitude problem of the individual that claims to know God, but yet we have a rebellious spirit, a stingy spirit that we don't want to hear. We think we know more than God does. The devil says, let somebody else do it. But I don't, you only got so much. Your bills will only go so far. Well, if God told us, now this part is not a faith offering, uh, not a faith deal in the Bible, he told us that. Now, if you want to give to the church after you pay all your bills and you got some left, then go ahead and do it. But he didn't do that. Everything in the Bible says you, it's by your faith. If you want healing, it's by your faith. If you want a blessing, it's by your faith. If you want to go to heaven, it's by your faith. If you want to live in the kingdom of God here and be this prosperity, pros let prosperity fill your life, then it's by faith in God that God's word is sure from Genesis to Revelation, and we have to accept it like that. And he said, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because what? You're robbing me. 
we could quit right there and, and been uh, uh, brought the message this morning to you. But it's not just under money. It goes on everything else. Goes right along with it. And then when he gets through with that verse 10, he comes down here. At the end of verse 10, he says, test me in this. Now, some of you may find a place that says it different, but that's the only place I've found in the Bible talking about so far that says you can test him in it, or you can put him to the test in it, or you can try me in this. I challenge you in this. See, God, God is so, so strong about that. He says, test me in this. What is he going to test? Is he going, you going to test him and see if he uh, uh, bless you? Or are you going to test him to see you like the rest of Scripture says? Or are you just going to test him in that to know if he's really God to do what he says he can do? It's all about a test. And so he goes on. He says, test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. How many would like to have more blessings than you got room to receive it? <laughs> Praise God. Now listen, that's not just in money. Because see, when you give tithe, when you give tithe and you do anything for the glory of God, uh, uh, I'm not going to be like some preachers I've heard say, give me $100 and God's got 1000 coming back to you. That's a lie from the pits of hell. See, that's manipulation. But I have talked to people. Just recently I talked to, to, to the church. I asked you to get on board with me for the Native American children in Montana. And a person called me after they did what I asked them to do, and they was all ecstatic and excited, said, Brother Ben, you won't believe what God's did for me. Now that person is going to receive a thousandfold plus before this over with what God did for her. But I'm not telling you God do that. I'm not about that. See, because... And everything you do in God, it's a test. It's a faith program. I've given, God's never given me a hundredfold back. I've had people to walk up and give me a hundred dollars, say, Brother Ben, I love you. I never will forget the first time it happened. Boy, I'm telling you what, God knows how to get a hold of you because I was really in a low in my ministry. I, things wasn't going right. And the person just walked up and said, Brother Ben, said, here, go buy you and your wife a dinner. said, I want you to know I love you. I looked at it, there's a hundred dollar bill. And I'm not soliciting a $100 bill, but I love you if you never give me a dime. I'm just trying to show you something. God has blessed me like this more than any other way. I've not got tickets on the freeway when I should have. It would have cost me $100. See, there's some things in this life you'll pay for here. God don't care if you speed down the freeway as long as you safe and drive like you want. He don't care if you get a dozen tickets and got to pay them as long as you give him his tithe and offerings first. I've talked to people who say, well, I don't believe in tithes, Brother Ben. I said, good, that's all right. I don't have a problem with that. That's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you something. They, they told me they get even offered. And I said, well, all the offering you give is just interest on the tithes you owe God. Don't expect a blessing. But God has kept me fairly well most of my life. But my wife never misses her tithe coming out first. And she never misses being one of the first on board when there's something come up in the church that to give in to a special offering. And today, I've got a preacher here and a preacher here in my family. That's right. See? God is not a God. Some folks want to say, God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. 
God said, that's not the deal. Here's the deal. You serve me, be faithful to me, and I'll bless you. Simple. End of that. Sometimes we want to do God like going to a car lot when to buy a car. We want to try to whittle him down to our favor. It don't work like that. All right, I'm going to wrap it up here real quick. Like, thank you for being patient with me. Fourth, we reap in a different season than we sow. Paul reminds us that we reap at the proper time. There's been some of us, especially me, there's been times I said, Lord, what's taking you so long? But he knows when and where and how to do it. Galatians 6 and 9 says, let us not become weary or tired or restless in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest. We're going to reap a harvest. But we need to always keep expectations before us that God's going to do it. Some of the things that we trust in God for, the devil will pound you day and night trying to make you lose your faith. It's going to happen. He'll even send friends by and people that you know, like Job's comforter, that's going to try to steer you off and get you thinking, Carl, but you need to hold on to what God gives you. Uh, I understand that the lady that was mentioned here spoke to some of you young ladies and gave you a word from God. And, and when I can hear it, it went right on. But, but you, only you know that. But I'm telling you, the devil will come to you and try to discourage you and say, oh, that was just somebody, this, that, and the other. You hold on to it. Don't turn it loose. Believe God. In God's due season, it'll come home. We reap if we persevere. There's the bottom line. What you did last year, last month, last week, don't count. It's what you're going to do today because you can throw it all away or you can hold on to the same God today that you knew back there. And God will, he will bring our needs to us if we will persevere and we won't give up. Matthew 4, 24 and 13 says, But he who endures, he who endures, he who endures to the end, he that don't give up to the end shall be saved, shall reap what God has for him. Praise the Lord. I need somebody back up here and I'll quit. I want you to stand with me right now. I know you're tired. I've took a few minutes longer than I planned on it, uh, but it didn't cost you any extra. I, I want you to realize God's still not through here this morning. Maybe you was, wasn't here over the weekend. Or maybe you should have come up and got prayer and you didn't. I want you to know I'm here to pray with you this morning. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to be here long because I believe that, that when the angel steers the water, that's the time to step in, according to what I read uh, uh, in the book. Just time to step in. Don't sit back and wait on somebody else. If you got a need this morning, I want to pray with you. I want to ask Jeff to come up here and help me and Liz to help me. And I want you to come up right now. Jeff, come on over here. Liz, help me pray.